So, John, what's the worst train journey you've ever been on? Um, so, a couple of years ago, actually a few years ago. Should I have popcorn for this? It, it, it's a tail. <laughs> it, it's a yarn. Yeah, get comfy. <laughs> so, a few years ago, I was on a night out in Manchester for uh, Manchester Pride mm. with my friend Sebastian, mm-hmm. who you may know from the, the Room episode. And we had our one and only falling out of our entire like 12-year friendship, I think. Mm. And he was supposed to be coming back to stay here in Leeds with me. And then he decided, because we'd had this falling out, he decided he... I think he pulled or something, he decided to go somewhere else. And I got really pissed off. And I was really, really drunk. Top five most drunk I've been in my life. And so I had this big argument. And then I kind of stormed off to catch the last train home. Did a very dramatic, well, screw you, I'm leaving. And I just turn around and storm off kind of thing. Okay. This is in like a club. And then I had to come back, tail between my legs two minutes later, and be like, you've got my keys. <laughs> <laughs> so that was bad enough. And then I got the last train from Manchester to Leeds. And I was... On the train, about halfway through the journey, I realised I was so drunk, I needed to vomit right now. So I ran to the toilet cubicle on the train, which is always mm. a great place to throw up. Mm. And as I was... You know when you project out vomiting so much that you literally cannot leave the toilet bowl? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's an, an impossibility. Mm-hmm. As I was there, I heard the train announcer go, we are now arriving at Leeds. Oh, I was like, no! no. <laughs> so, minutes later, as I was still projectile vomiting and unable, completely unable to get off the train, mm. without like spraying everyone around me, mm-hmm. I heard, we are now leaving Leeds. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I ended up stranded in York, which was the next and final stop, <laughs> for about four hours, very, very slowly and very painfully sobering up, mm. because there's nothing to do in York after 1am, and there were no trains until like, the following morning. So it was a horrible train journey and a horrible night in general. Oh, great. What about you? Me? See, I don't, I don't know if I've got one standout one. Leads to Manchester is always a bad shout. Just because it's never, packed? Yeah, I've never had a good time on that train. No. No. Any, anybody else listening around the world, please let us know your worst train journeys, but Leeds to Manchester tops them all. Yeah. This is really going to play well in our in America, in Australia. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard about the East Coast Express, but oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. Hello. And uh, this week, John, it was your choice. We did Snowpiercer. I did. For once, it's one of our weeks without a guest. I know, it, it feels weird. I'm also only sharing one mic. This feels very intimate. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, laptop problems. Uh, well. My laptop problems. I knew laptop. Your laptop problem as in you forgot to bring your charger and couldn't be asked to cycle home to get it. True, and your laptop only has one working USB. True, but fixing my problem would involve spending about £1,500. Fixing your problem would involve getting off your lazy ass and going at your charger. Well, on my bike ride here, and then I get hit by three cars. So now, three? Yes, so now what do you want me to do? Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> I win. So what are we talking about? Oh yeah, the film. Yeah, the film, yes. <laughs> Snowpiercer. So, yeah, I hadn't seen this film. No, nope, me neither. So why did you choose it? I chose this because you've been mentioning a lot recently how much you love a disaster movie. Uh-huh. And this is, I guess, qualifies as a disaster movie? I'd say post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic, does that still fit into your general films I enjoy genre? Well, I enjoyed the film. Oh, that's good. I thought it'd be good, yeah, I thought this might be fun for you. I don't if I call it a disaster movie. It's an action movie, but like, it's not like cities falling into the sea or anything. True, true, true. It's just trains skidding perilously over ice. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's post-apocalyptic, and yeah. I've been meaning to watch this film for a while, because I've heard a lot of good things. I've mm-hmm. heard it's really interesting and quirky. And in some places, quite ridiculous, which is all things I enjoy. Quirky and ridiculous are two yep, strong, strong words for this film. Definitely. And so yeah, <laughs> I just thought, yeah, it's been on the list for a while, and I thought, well, why not? So mm-hmm. let's put it out there. So what did you think of it? Um, certainly went in some bold directions. <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to start with Tilda Swinton? Oh, we could talk this whole podcast about Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Tilda made some choices in this movie. Didn't she just? Oh my god. Yeah, is this our first Tilda Swinton movie? I believe it is, actually, yeah. I can't believe we went a whole year without doing a Tilda Swinton movie. Yeah. Yeah, Tilda Swinton, not, not, not the star of this movie. No. But she has a very striking supporting turn. Yes. She, she is, in this film, she's the only character who particularly stands out. You think so? If it wasn't for her, this film wouldn't be bonkers. Oh, I think it would. It'll be less bonkers, it'd still be bonkers. Okay, what's bonkers about this film that's not involved with Tilda Swinton? The entire scene on the score carriage? With the song? Oh, I suppose it was a little bit weird, yeah. What happens if the train slows down, we all fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> that is no Tilda, and that is 
Utterly bonkers. <laughs> okay, yeah. What happens if the engine stops? We, we all freeze and die. But will it stop or will it stop? No, no! Can you tell us why? The engine is eternal, yes! The engine is forever, yes! Rumble, rumble, rattle, rattle! Who is the reason why? Also, I would say, I mean, we're going to run through the whole plot here, but when they're fighting with the different carriages, there's lots of ridiculous things. There's like the rave carriage and the weird sauna carriage and true, true. the sushi bar, the aquarium. Some of it felt very sort of fifth element to me. Definitely. Very, it had that very heightened quality, I'd agree. Yeah. Mm. Well, to just very quickly summarise the plot. So this film came out about five years ago, I think. I think so, yeah. It stars Chris Evans mm-hmm. and Tilda Swinton and Octavia Spencer and John Hurt and Jamie Bell. Good cast. Good, strong, diverse cast. And Ed bas- Harris. Ed Harris is in it too. And the basic plot is it takes place sometime in the near future in which I believe the government, some government, has spread the entire planet with some kind of chemical to combat global warming. What did they say? Yes, it was to combat global warming, try and cool down the planet. But by accident, they cooled down the planet too much. Yeah. Which one person, Ed Harris, saw coming. Mm-hmm. Ed Harris is essentially... Richard Branson. Yes. <laughs> really Slash is. Elon Musk. Yes. Just, just one of those guys, really. <laughs> he has a company which has built this train that can run by itself without any external fuel. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, he doesn't specify. I, I was assuming solar power, but whatever. It's a, it's a train that can run forever. Yes. Yeah, so it's, basically, it's basically the entire world is frozen solid, become an Arctic wasteland. And the, as far as we know, the only survivors of humanity are on this very long train that is basically circumnavigating the globe constantly. Yes. It's on a loop somewhere... I don't know where this loop is. It doesn't specify if it's yeah. in every country or if it's just all around America or something. Who knows? But uh, it does that loop once a year. Yes. I guess without stopping, mm-hmm. which must be incredibly well-timed. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I think I assumed it was circumnavigating the globe. But now that I think about it, how would you go overland across the globe? Well, it's all, Unless... frozen, it's all frozen over, maybe? So Frozen over and they built train tracks on it, though. Exactly, yeah. So they yeah. could build train tracks from here to Greenland, for example. Okay, sure. So you're assuming that the apocalyptic climate change happens rapidly enough that everyone died, but slowly enough that they could build train tracks. Okay, sure. It, that's not to say that it's going round the equator. Like, it could sure. be just going round Russia and Asia and everywhere around there, and then going over the North Pole to... America and all right there. Maybe. Well, anyway, it's going around in some kind of circle, mm-hmm. is the point. And on the train, it's very much a class system, so... As all trains are. Yeah, it's, this is basically an allegory for um, first class, yeah. Mm. It's, so all of the ruling classes are at the head of the train, and they live a life of apparent luxury. And then at the bottom of the train, you have these slaves who are living this very impoverished kind of existence, mm-hmm. and they just serve the upper classes, basically. Mm-hmm. One of these is... Seemingly Chris. without knowing it. Yeah, it doesn't. it's never clear what they know. It, it's, it's a bit strange. Mm. But I like that. Anyway, Chris Evans emerges as kind of the de facto leader of the group. He kind of leads a rebellion mm. against the upper classes, the ruling classes, to kind of get to the head of the train and to confront the mythical Wilfred, who nobody's seen. Apart from William Hurt. Apart from William Hurt, who does know of him, yes. Yeah. William Hurt plays another of the lower class people who's kind of the, the old sage kind of role. So yeah, he, Chris Evans and Jamie Bell lead a rebellion and Octavia Spencer, and they fight their way from the end of the train to the front of the train mm-hmm. and encounter lots of quirky characters and situations on the way, including mm-hmm. Tilda Swinson, who plays the... Mason, Minister Mason, who's kind of the Wilfred spokesperson. Mm. And yeah, and they fight their way to the end of the train where some things happen that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the plot. Yeah, so to go back to Tilda Swinton. Sure, yeah, yeah. Was there any reason why her accent was <laughs> what, what it was? What do you think she was trying to do? Was she trying to just be like Wallace? <laughs> As in Wallace and Clark. Yeah. I was getting Michael Caine. In in drag as Deirdre from Coronation Street. Oh, right, sure. That was the vibe I was mm. getting. She's wearing like these crazy little Michael Caney glasses and big fur coats and these kind of high neckline trench coat kind of things. It was it was a look. And, and the, the wig. She yeah. definitely wins this week's wig watch. <laughs> she was wearing one amazing wig. Mm-hmm. It was like a helmet. I mm-hmm. loved it. Passengers, this is not a shoe. This is disorder. This is size 10 chaos. This, see this? This is death. I, that's what I like about Tilda, because Tilda always makes choices when she performs. Mm. And this, she's really making some choices. Mm-hmm. She really created a really interesting character. And apparently the character was originally in the director's script. It was scripted as a soft-spoken man. That was who it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then Tilda Swinton got to know that... Did the opposite. Did, did, went in a totally different direction, yeah. <laughs> 
But apparently she really liked the director from other things he'd done. The director is Bong Joon-ho, I think. Uh, He's a a Korean director. Okay. So she got to know him and said, I really want to work with you. And he said, oh, well, there's nothing in this for you, but let's stay in touch. Mm. And then he thought about it and he got back to her and said, you know what, actually, how would you feel about playing this character? And Mm -hmm. she just got complete creative freedom with it and created this crazy, insane kind of evil character who was mm-hmm. brilliant. She was easily my favourite character. Mm. Easily. Well, she was the standout character. Like no, Nobody else was particularly interesting. Mm. Like, yeah, the school teacher a little bit. Ed Harris, because I like a bad guy. Yeah. But other than that, nobody was interesting at all. Yeah, I, I guess there was, wasn't a lot of characterisation involved. It no, was, there wasn't really. It was an action film through and through. Yeah. But you did like it, so yeah. tell, me, tell me some of the things you liked about it, apart from Tilda. I liked the exposition we got at the end. Where they just explained everything that had happened and how it all started with mm. people coming on and then the, everybody starving and how dark that story got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I laughed. What? I'm a bad person, I laughed so much. I hate myself because I know that babies taste better. Yes, <laughs> I thought that line was hilarious, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty dark. I did then like the story of, like, I tried to eat this baby. <laughs> I tried to, tried to eat this baby... But I was stopped by a guy who cut off his arm. The guy was this character that you know. The baby was this character that you know. Yeah. I did like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good bit of storytelling. And I just imagined the scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just imagined Chris Evans, crazy, like holding a baby up to his mouth, like, ah! And then some other guy, like, no! And just sawing his arm and then blood going everywhere. And then, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Spare the child, take my arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been good. You know what I hate about myself? I know what people taste like. I know that babies taste best. There was a woman. She was hiding with her baby. And some men with knives came. They killed her and they took her baby. And then an old man, no relation, just an old man, step forward and he said give me the knife and everyone thought he'd kill the baby himself but he took the knife and he cut off his arm and he said eat this if you're so hungry eat, eat this just leave the baby I had never seen anything like that This is the kind of action slash sci-fi film that I can really get on board with because it doesn't waste a lot of time on exposition or character development or mm-hmm. anything. It just kind of puts you in a situation and it explains it at the beginning at least. There's exposition at the end, but the beginning is a lot of like, okay, they're on a train, they're the lower class, the upper class is up the other end, you haven't seen them yet, but they're coming mm-hmm. later. They're going to rebel, obviously. Mm-hmm. Let's watch what happens. Mm. And I enjoyed that. It went straight in there. The pacing was great. There were no boring bits particularly for me. It really got straight into it and established the stakes very easily. Mm. And then it just took it to some really interesting places. Like, I thought the visualizations, the, the images on the screen were really, really good. I really liked mm, yeah, the fighting yeah. through the different carriages kind of vibe. Yeah. It was really, really good. I liked the just traveling through different carriages and each one being like a different world. It was, it was. I'm going to get to this. It did feel a lot like a video game. I was going to say it felt like Mario. Yeah, it yeah. felt like, they were like each one was a level. Yeah. <laughs> it was fighting to the next level. It's like, and now but we're in like, the aquarium zone. That's not to say that it was bad. And no, it's, that's and, not bad. And, and it's, not the, it's not the only film to do that. It felt a lot, a lot like uh, Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but. He's got to fight his way to the top of an apartment block to mm. kill Lena Headey. Sure. And each floor it has its different challenges. Mm. And it very much is just like a video game. Yeah. But it works so well. Yeah. And this film does the same really well. Mm. I would say that the dimensions of the train puzzle me a little bit. <laughs> uh, what dimensions? Like some carriages seem like they'd be way bigger than others. Like the aquarium one looked huge. How does it, that even work? It, like, it didn't exactly show that the fish had a lot of space to swim in. True. They could have just been really flattened. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not... Like, like there, there were no big fish there other than like, um, oh, what's it called? The really flat fish. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the only one that they kept because reasons, spatial reasons. Yeah. This isn't the kind of film that I'm inclined to pick holes in with that kind of thing though because it is... I appreciate films that are just like, hey, this is what's happening. Get mm-hmm. on board or don't. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it or don't. Yeah. So I appreciate that. But yeah, there were certain moments... If you think about this film too hard, it all falls apart because it doesn't really make any sense. Oh yeah, there's so many... Like, the whole film could have ended if they'd actually put bullets in those guns. Yeah. Because turns out they had bullets as a nice little twist. Yes. But just like, put one or two mm. in those guns and then that's it, revolution over. And just be like, yeah, don't shoot them, but if you need to, it's there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So one of the main moments in this film 
is where the lower class people realise that the guards' guns don't have bullets in them. So they assume that the bullets have actually run out. Mm. And so that means they could have their uprising. Mm. And yeah, but at the end, there's a twist where you realise actually there's lots of bullets and yeah. there's a big old shootout. What do you think of that bit? The bad guys are in the classroom. Sure. And then for some reason, this train just takes essentially an endless bend. Yes. <laughs> that goes on for about five minutes. Mm. And they have a shootout. Do you not find that a bit strange? Do you mean when they're shooting through the windows at each other because the train is... Yeah, like they're not even shooting with like snipers or anything. They're just using just, well, not the smallest guns, but just regular guns. Yeah. And they're shooting through this glass that's like 10 inches thick or something and then across like a mile of space between them and every shot is hitting. And also, who's repairing that glass? Oh, yeah. Where, where are they getting a new window from? <laughs> that's going to get cold real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. If you think about it, it doesn't make any sense. But and cause, you know, and also, where did those school kids go? Where did they go? Like, a fight in the classroom started before the kids had left. Yeah. Didn't see the kids leave anywhere. Then just hiding under their desks and people having a shootout. No, exactly. You never see them again. And presumably, they die when the whole train blows up at the end. But, yeah. Well, I guess everyone dies. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that was definitely one of those things where like, you know what? This is going to be a really cool visual shot. I thought it was a cool idea of a train that was curving in on itself and so they were shooting for the windows. Mm. It's a good, it's a pretty cool action sequence. But mm. yeah, it doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. What was your favourite carriage then, would you say? Mm, might be the rave carriage. The rave carriage was fun, yeah. Either that or the drugs carriage. Mm-hmm. Where just everybody's high, nobody really knows what's going on. <laughs> and it also just makes me question, what do people do with their lives? Yeah. Like anybody, even the people in, in second class, because they're just trying to survive. But when they're not just trying to survive because they've got food coming in, they've got water coming in, they're not dying now. Yep. now. What do they do? What do they do to pass the time? Do they do, they do this? Do they record podcasts like this? <laughs> like, <laughs> Traincast episode 478. Yeah. What, do they, what do they talk about? What's going on in their lives? Because mm. they don't seem like they're slaves particularly. They're not doing hard labour that we see. No. The only thing they seem to be there for is to be breeders. Because yeah. we found out later that the children are being used to work underneath the train. Mm-hmm. But actually, apart from that, there's not really a lot for them to be doing. Mm. Which is odd, yeah. Yeah, but also the first class people. What do they do? Oh, they're not doing anything. They're just chilling. Yeah, but like even if you've got every luxury in the world, mm-hmm. you'd get bored after 14 years. Oh, sure. Well, uh, that's the thing about being like a video game and like, being all about the visuals. Because do you think people move from carriage to carriage generally? It seemed like every carriage was quite self-contained. Do you think the druggies ever like wander into the rave one and be like, hey guys, what's up in this carriage? True, uh, yeah, maybe they're all just individual communities where there's some overlap but not a lot. Yeah. Also, I didn't see enough of like everybody's living quarters and stuff. It was just all entertainment. Yeah, that's true. There was every carriage was just things to do, but that's probably because it's boring for us film viewers to see. Hey, look, bedrooms. Mm. To be fair, they did point it out at one point, just like, hey, there's all these beds here. Yeah. But they were still like all bunk beds and dormitories. Mm. Which I feel is still a bit much for first class. In the classroom scenes, I was like, where are the parents? Which, yeah. which carriage contains the parents? <laughs> I thought the dialogue was often very strange. Okay. I just thought it was it was very obvious sometimes that the director's English wasn't his first language. Because mm-hmm. he wrote the script as well. They were just, I don't know, some, just the, the tone and the cadence of it sometimes. Some of the lines are just a bit odd. But mm. like, like, you know, you know, I hate, hate the fact that I know what babies taste like. It's, just, it's, not, a, it's not a line that comes naturally. <laughs> Well, it's just not a topic that comes naturally. Well, true. There's that too. As a vegetarian anyway, so you'd have to be pretty hungry to eat meat. How hungry do you think you'd have to be to eat a baby? How, why, why would I answer that question? Because <laughs> it makes you uncomfortable. I love asking it. Yeah, but like, I, I, I can't be a good guy if I answer that question. Like, <laughs> two weeks. If I was to just tell you like that, then yeah. like, I clearly thought about it and it's just not a thing that you think about. And So two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Because by that time, I think I'll probably be dead anyway. So, there we go. You can live. I think you can, you'd can. probably be on the brink, yeah. I mean, I'm saying it's between death and eating a baby. Just slap it between a bit of bread. Pass me that baby. <laughs> All right. What's your catchphrase for the week? Pass me that baby. <laughs> you know what I hate about myself? I know what people taste like. I know that babies taste best. Speaking of which, so at the end of the film, Chris Evans, who now I know what he looks like. I think I finally got him in my brain. I can't believe this. Are you still just thinking of the radio DJ? No, I'm not. That was never the issue. It wasn't that I couldn't separate the two. It was just, I just found him really forgettable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've not really seen the Captain America movies, so that's, you know, that's his most famous franchise. Mm. So I've only seen him in bit parts. And he was in Sunshine, but I don't know, I just forgot about him. But mm-hmm. no, and I think I get it now. I know what he looks like. And he was, he was good in this, I will say. Yeah, he was. He had to like censor the film. Mm. He wasn't one of the funny, quirky characters. He was like the... 
the moral sensor. Like yeah, he was very like, normal. Yeah, he was like our, our everyman character. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a lot of dialogue or a lot to do. But he, yeah, I think he did it well. I believed him, which was good. So he gets to the end and he confronts Ed Harris, who is revealed to be Wilford. Mm-hmm. This kind of godlike figure who is running the train from his secluded little captain's mm-hmm. quarters. Mm-hmm. And there's a very long scene between the two of them where Wilfred Ed Harris is just kind of cutting into a steak and eating the steak. And... Mm-hmm. Did you think that steak was baby? Was going to sound to be baby? Uh, no. I, I was like... really waiting for that to be the reveal. Didn't, didn't think about it, but I did think, where did that steak come from? Yeah. There's no cows. It's either baby or cockroach. There's no middle ground. We know it's not cockroach. No. Then it ain't cockroach. I also think you may be eating a baby. Mm. Mm. Did you find it a little bit weird that... Chris Evans found out that they were all eating cockroaches mm. and was sickened by the whole thing. And then later revealed that the last thing he ate before that was babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, come on, come on, come on, mate. Like cockroaches, no, I mean, probably not tasty, but not too yeah. bad. And just seeing that, it, that it's cockroaches surely shouldn't sicken you that much. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Also, people eat insects. Yeah. Like people in our world right now are eating insects. Mm. No, I 100% agree. You're right. I think eating a baby would surely desensitise you to eating cockroaches. Yeah. It could have been so much grosser than that. Mm. Like It could have been shit from the first class people. Yeah, exactly. That would have been a really good, like, well, a bit heavy handed, but, you know, yeah. a, a metaphor, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. It seemed odd. It, mm. just, it seemed a little bit odd because, yeah, I felt that for the exact same thing, people do eat cockroaches in the real world. Mm. And then the whole film is like this running thing where he forces Tilda Swinton's character to eat the protein bar mm-hmm. and she just couldn't even conceive of it. And mm. fair enough, the upper class people probably don't eat cockroaches. Yeah, I mean, like, would you? I Especially think... if it's like a black sort of jelly bar. No, it wouldn't be my first choice, but I think I could eat insect, you know, if push came to shove. Yeah, could eat insect, but if this insect that's built in sort of this rubbery, mm. floppy, slimy, black bar, could you nibble on that? I mean, I've just admitted I'd be pretty okay with eating a baby, so, yeah. Sure, sure, all right. I know I could eat cockroach. You've got some bad standards. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's, baby, cockroach. No. You eat this. You know what that's made of? Dig in. Okay, so should we skip to the end? Yes, let's talk about the end a bit more, yeah. So, what is it that Ed Harris is saying? He's saying that there's a balance that needs to happen, like people need to die, children need to die, or else they're going to run out of food and then you'll have to eat them. Yeah, it's an ecosystem situation. Yeah. And then Chris Evans is just like, oh well, I guess that really sort of opens my mind to everything and I guess I'm on your side. Yeah, for a moment, yeah. He flirts with the dark side for a moment, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he doesn't do anything afterwards. <laughs> no, well... He just sort of stands there when mm. everything blows up. Well, I got the sense that when he sees the children underneath the train, he, ch- he realises that, no, actually, this can't continue. Mm. That was the, what I got from it, but... Yeah. But, like, there's no thought that goes into it after that. Mm. I mean, I guess nobody really knows that they're all about to die at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying to blow the door up so they can get out of the train. But they really should think about, okay, where are we? Yeah. Because <laughs> if at this point they happen to be at a very north part of the planet, mm-hmm. then maybe that's not the best time to leave the train. Given you you expect it to be extremely cold. Mm-hmm. You've well, seen the snows melting, yeah. but maybe that's not where they are right now. True. I mean, so, just wait, so just wait until they're in, I don't know, snowy Mexico or something. <laughs> snowy Mexico. <laughs> Going loco well, down in Acapulco. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then get off there. Yeah. And perhaps find a way to stop the train rather than blowing a hole out of it so you've got to jump out of it at 200 miles an hour. Sure. Just keep sticking people's hands out until one doesn't drop off. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> also, what was their plan at that point? To blow a hole in the train, but it's a very, very high-speed train. Yeah. Then what were they going to do? Just jump out. Soft landing in the snow. Reconvene. I don't know. Actually, no, they did. They did establish people had got out of the train before. Yes, but died. But died because of the cold. Yes. So, okay, that's fair enough. The, the bit where they blow the door off mm-hmm. and an avalanche comes... And knocks the train off the rails. Yes. Apart from the front part of the train, which crashes through the tunnel, mm-hmm. and everybody dies apart from the female Korean lady and Octavia Spencer's son. son. Yeah. So there's now just two people left in the planet. So is you, and a polar bear. Out in the cold. Yeah. Probably going to die. But if they don't, well, those two are going to have to repopulate the planet at some point. Yes. And that's going to take some time. All right. I guess just so I know where we stand. Yeah, yeah. Because no, the no. whole end of the film just sort of came quite suddenly and I was like oh right oh oh it's over that's it done yeah right okay hmm well I guess the polar bear represents hope yeah, yeah you know, I guess survival maybe maybe there's other survivors if a polar bear can survive other people maybe they decided that you know what price humanity maybe it's just like life isn't worth living if this is what we're reduced to so let's just mm. try it out in the wilderness and, and if also we die, like, we die. they li- not deliberately but they did murder 
everybody on the train. Mm. Literally everybody. Indeed, a lot of children. Yeah, who yeah. we've already met. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a lot of other second-class citizens who are hoping that Chris Evans was going to save them. True, but in the end, not him, but his gang end up killing them. Yeah, great mission, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked one of my favourite moments in the film was at the moment when the train is about to explode mm-hmm. and Ed Harris gets the last I think the last line of the entire film of anyone he just goes nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's weird wasn't it yeah. nice ending to a film it was it, it was so odd but I liked it like none of this makes sense but none of it was like oh I hate this it was mm. like oh this is such a weird film I kind of love it yeah it was wacky I like that about it it was very very strange and yeah it didn't really answer any questions no. particularly about like the polar bear and stuff cause... there's just so many things that are going to kill them out there now I don't for, think for one to. the cold yeah. for two lack of food mm-hmm. because you're in the snowy tundra mm-hmm. and then polar bears yeah. and maybe other animals that probably have to kill you yeah. I tell you what rabbits are probably dead yeah, things like polar bears more likely to be alive. True. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of uh, a lot of friendly animals left. No. Yeah. Should we get to some drinking games, maybe? Oh sure, let's do it. Yeah. Sorry, I was getting a bit distracted just by complaining. Okay, so my first one is drink whenever they change carriage. Okay, yeah, that'd be a good one. We've seen transitions. We, we, we were talked about quite a bit, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so mine, I've also mentioned, is a drink for long CGI shots of the train. Oh, yeah, there yeah, were quite a few of them. Yeah. Which did look even more like video game cutscenes. Like. Yes, they did. <laughs> I did especially enjoy the ones where the train would burst through a block of ice or yes, something. Yes, that was fun. It was good. Drink whenever any main character dies unnecessarily. And, yeah, again, we've had the same one. I put down unceremoniously. Like, a lot of the main characters die quite quickly and then they're just dead and it's, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, Octavia Spencer kind of gets a somewhat moving death scene because, like, the Chris Evans basically, like, kneels down and says, I promise I'll find your son. And she says, thank you. And it kind of pans on her face as she kind of slowly passes away. Mm. But other than that, they really everyone dies like that, like really quickly. Mm. John Hurt just gets shot on camera. Tilda Swinton, same. So Tilda Swinton, same, yeah. Jamie Bell gets his throat cut. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they all die really, really quickly. And even Chris Evans and the Korean guy, they just get blown up. Yeah. You don't really see it. And that's it. Yeah. Apart from Ed Harris, he just went, nice. Yes. Yeah, he's <laughs> the only one who got a cool death. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. I agree. Lots of... It's, it's weird. It feels like a lot of the characters they just didn't really know how to finish mm. the character story, apart from Octavia yeah. Spencer yeah. and Ed Harris. I guess she was because she's a mother. She was the only character who had kind of any emotional, even though she didn't get a lot to say or do, just because you could identify. Okay, she's a mum. That's her thing. Mm. Whereas everyone else, as you said, was quite was, was quite thinly drawn. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, oh no, not the Korean guy, because like he's fine, but he's not really won your heart. You know what I mean? No. So, yeah. Drink when everything stops, just so something really weird can happen, such as just. Every now and again, usually when they entered a new carriage, like the action would just stop for a second. So, like for example, the enemies could very slowly and deliberately cut open a fish and put the blood on the sword, yeah. or stop so that everything can go black for a moment and Tilda Swinton can just shout for a minute and it's all like then it becomes like doom, like you know with the green. Mm-hmm. Or what else happens? Or when it stops because there's a guy like a giant man who's just swinging a big axe around. Like <laughs> that was when I was like, this is a video game. He's just the troll on the bridge. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were, there were a few, a Just few things of, like that. Yeah. Oh my god, fool, yo! What are you doing? Don't look at me, you dolly bugger! Look back! Okay, drink whenever any situation could be solved if Captain America just had his mighty shield. True. So, I mean, you know Captain America better than me. What does his mighty shield do? Ah, uh, he can throw it and it can spin and hit people. So it stuff. would just help him win battles. Yeah. I mean, he was a good fighter. He fought his way to the end. He was, but then if you compare him to anything Captain America, he's uh, True, okay. Right but, follow-up question. How the hell does Chris Evans in this film, his character, stay in that shape? That's a good point, yeah. What's he eating that's going to stay in that shape and nobody else's? And also, where's he getting his exercise? Cockroaches, lots of protein. Maybe he's just doing a lot more running around, I don't know. Where where's he running? True. I mean, yeah, everyone where's else. Space? Everyone else is like emaciated, and he is like you know Chris Evans. True. Mm. Yeah, he's the only one. But yeah, who knows? Maybe he's a double agent. Maybe mm. he's got secret access to the access to the gym. Who knows? <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, no, that's a good point. My last one was just drink every time Tilda does something weird, which is just drink for Tilda, really. It's yeah, it's pretty pretty solid. Though. I mean, the best one for me is when she makes the shoe speech. Yeah. You are the shoe. We are the hat. Yeah. <laughs> and then she balances. <laughs> 
the shoe on the guy's head. Yeah. Which I, I was thinking, how long was that taken to shoot? Yeah. How many times did that shoe fall off that guy's head? <laughs> and it stays there for ages because there's the scene where she's giving the whole speech. And like he's moving around. And yeah, and he's just, he just, there's occasional just close-ups of him just with his arm out the thing freezing mm-hmm. off and he's got this weird demented grin on his face. He's got a shoe balancing on his head. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. Loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you wear a shoe on your head? Of course you wouldn't wear a shoe on your head. A shoe doesn't belong on your head. A shoe belongs on your foot. A hat belongs on your head. I am a hat. You are a shoe. I belong on the head. You belong on the foot. Yes, so it is. So, uh, before we get to some sequels, Mm -hmm. let's take a quick moment to talk about Patreon. Yes, which uh, we've just launched on. So, we are now available on Patreon, Mm -hmm. which means that you can support us for as much or as little as you like. It's a monthly subscription fee. But we're doing it as pay as you feel, so no matter what you pay, you get everything. You get access to all of our bonus content, and we're trying to create loads of really cool exclusive content just for our Patreon supporters, which includes our weekly bonus show, Beyond Beyond the Box Set, which is going to be our movie review show. We Mm -hmm. do quick fire movie reviews every week of the films we've seen in the cinema, so that's more up-to-date stuff than what we normally do here. We also, if you have a podcast or a business or just a personal brand, you want us to advertise you every... Once a month, we'll do our Patreon special episode in which we will give you a 30-second ad slot in which you can either send us a recording of an ad we will play or we'll just rave about you for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And also, once a month, one of our Patreon supporters gets to choose the film that we'll do on this podcast, Beyond the Box Set. And obviously, we'll do our sequel ideas, etc. You can choose the film. And finally, if you would like to, send us some details about yourself. We will make you a character in one of our sequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're the main benefits. We may add more. Just go to patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Yep. Cool. And please consider sponsoring us. It helps us to stay cost neutral and we will love you forever. Yeah. And it helps us to make a better show. It inspires us to make a better show. Uh, we also, we have merch on TeePublic, including t-shirts, hoodies, iPhone covers. Yeah, iPhone covers, cushions, mugs. Yeah. Anything you can think of. Or the beyond the box set crap you need. Yeah. Make your entire flat a shrine to us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've got a few little uh, catchphrases written up in t-shirts now. Yeah, and if there's any more you'd like, then let us know. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Pass me a baby. Pass me a baby. That's the one now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so as always, thank you very much to everyone who listens and supports us. We really appreciate it. And if you want to support us more, if you're not already, then head over to patreon.com forward slash beyond the box set. Link is on our website, beyondtheboxset.com. So, okay, that's enough self-flogging. Mm-hmm. Sequels. Yes. Uh, you first this week? Oh. I chose the film. That was a really sad... Oh. I don't know. I don't like going first. Okay, so mine. Mm-hmm. I've not really come up with a title. Okay. So if you could help me out with that. Sure. When it comes along. It's 2012. Okay. The past. When was this film set? I don't know. IMDb says the future. Okay. Generic. Unclear. The future, fine. yeah. So um, this this film is a prequel? Kind of. Sidequel. Let's call it a sidequel. A sidequel. Okay, yeah. sure. Sure. So it's 2012. The end of the world is coming on December 21st. As... Do you remember when that happened? Oh yeah, when I remember the end of the world. It was yeah, that was that was quite the evening. Yeah, yeah, it was good. We were all looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. minds predicted it, mm-hmm. and it came. Great, we're all dead now. Yeah. And this this is purgatory, just <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so tickets are now being sold to a train known as Snowpiercer. It is the underailable train which people can live on indefinitely. Mm-hmm. It's one of many supposed arcs for humanity, but the one with the best chance of survival. Okay. It departs from Southampton, England. On sure. December 20th at midday, approximately 12 hours before temperatures become too cold to live in. Right, okay. Stop me when you work out what I'm doing here. We open at the train station where there are people getting on this grand train. A very fancy car pulls up as people start getting out of it. First up, we get uh, Meryl Streep. Okay. Of course. Followed by Harry Styles. Okay. Picked him just because he was so good in Dunkirk. His character kind of fits here. Okay. Harry reaches into the car and takes the hand of a lady, presumed to be his wife. As the music swells, a young lady steps out of the car wearing a giant hat. Okay. She, is it too early to ruin it? Because I obviously I know what's happening. Go right ahead. It's Titanic. Yes, it is. Okay, great. <laughs> the hat was a giveaway. Okay. Yes, I thought it would be. I thought, <laughs> thought, thought that's where you'd get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, she lifts her head and we see, of course, Alison Brie. Okay, I can see that. Looking across the train, which will take them into the new world. Oh, nice. Okay. So these are the upper class, like the first class passengers. Clearly, yeah. Cool. This is Billy Zane and Kate Winslet and the mother who... Yeah. Whoever she was. Cool. So, okay. Of course, Meryl Streep and Harry Styles as those two. You know, that kind of works. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's, that it's, works not, really it's well. not awful, is it? No, no, I think that's pretty good. Is that well, Thomasin Bree is Kate Winslet. Yeah, I think those are all very solid, believable casting choices. Great. Thank now you. that we've had Harry Styles play kind of a villain in Dunkirk, but not mm-hmm. really, like more like just a you know, I'd like to see him go full villain. Well, he's not really full villain in this. He's just a dickhead. True, that's fair. Yeah, in Titanic. In Titanic, fair enough. Continue anyway. Let's see where this is going. They board the train near the front, handing their first class tickets to the conductor. Sure. And we then cut to a small bar <laughs> station. <laughs> yeah. There are a group of young men playing an energetic game of poker. Mm-hmm. We centre around two people in this game, mainly an extremely charismatic Danny Pudi. Oh, okay. Is he our Leo? He's going to be our Leo. Interesting. We're thinking of somebody who's got a lot of charisma, mm-hmm. works well with Alison Brie. Ooh, yes. Oh, I see, because they have love interests in community. Yeah. Okay, I like it. I'm on board. I think as well. And a slightly quiet sidekick, played by... Donald Glover, come on. Oh, Donald Glover. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry Who sorry. plays Abbott's best friend, Troy, in Community. Sure. Okay, great. Donald Glover has taken the part of whatever his name was, the... Um, Fabrizio? Yeah. Is he playing a broad Italian stereotype, despite clearly not being Italian? No, I was going to say broad African stereotype. Doesn't speak much English, strong African accent. Okay, sure. I'd be funny if he was just Italian. <laughs> Imagine Donald Glover just doing that, like, hey, Mario! Tell you what, yeah, let's do yeah. it. That's, that's, that's funner. Yeah. He's not got a big part in this, so we can do it. Okay, anything. fine, yeah. Some expository dialogue tells us that these people are some of the engineers who built the train. Sure. So, they know all about it. The two of them win their game, and by winning that, they get two tickets to the second-class part of the train. So they're the engineers who built it, but they're not allowed on it? Yeah. Okay. That's some of the, how some of the Titanic worked. I guess that's true, yeah. Okay. Built by a lot of Irish who... Oh, do you mean like labourers, not like engineers? Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, sure, I understand. They immediately run off to catch the train because it's 11.58, leaves in two minutes. Sure. So they run and they catch it just before it departs. Like, they're literally the last people on the train. Okay. I mean, not like Titanic, they're not going to jump onto it as it's moving. No? It's not really how trains work, even in 2012. Well, sometimes when they set off, they're a bit, you know, you can probably just about make it. Yeah, the doors are all closed though, aren't they? Oh, maybe, yeah. Mm. You could not run for many trains. No, not really. <laughs> so that night, uh, Alison Brie, who I'm not going to refer to as Rose, okay. is feeling particularly down because... What's Harry Styles' character's name? What Billy Zane's character's name? Well, Billy Zane's character in Titanic was called Cal. Cal. Calden Hockley. The Cal, yeah. Okay, so that night, Rose is feeling particularly down because Cal is being a massive dick to her. Sure. And uh, she feels trapped. Okay, Cal being the Harry Styles character. Mm-hmm. Cool. She tries to kill herself... Mm-hmm. By opening a door to the now uninhabitable environment outside. Oh, she'll be chilly. Well, she'd die. Yeah. At the last minute, Jack comes up mm-hmm. and just sort of, well, not really bumps into her, but uh, comes across her when she's obviously trying to open the door and kill herself. Mm-hmm. He talks her out of it by saying, like, how horrible it's going to be outside and how painful oh, it will be. That does fit really well. Yeah, yeah it doesn't it? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he does manage to change her mind. And as she turns away from the door, her clothes catch on the handle... <laughs> Opening it. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, and she gets sucked out. Jack just manages to catch her hand at the last minute, pulls her in, uh, ripping her clothes in the process, and somehow he lands on top of her. Sure. And they have a little moment. Sure. At that exact moment, Cal walks in to whatever carriage they're in and just sees them like this. It looks like Jack's having his way with her. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, Jack rips him off and punches him or something. The guards come in and Jack says, arrest that man. He was having his way with my wife. You mean Cal says that. Oh, sorry, yeah. To which they do. And then Rose shouts, uh, this man just saved my life. If it wasn't for him, I would be dead now. Do you really want to arrest him? So he lets him go, begrudgingly. Like, sure. sure. Still not happy. Mm-hmm. Is anyone playing Cal's kind of butler slash bodyguard who's kind of the other villain in Titanic? Oh, could be. Could be. Who do you cast? Who do you say Cal was again? Harry, Harry Styles. Styles. Oh, it's got to be like Louis Tomlinson then or something. Another <laughs> <laughs> One Direction. Niall, the, the Irish one. He'd be funny at that. Sure, all right. Yeah. Or maybe Simon Cowell. Yeah. Much better. Much Simon better. Cowell. Simon, Simon Cowell. Cowell. Yeah. Okay, now we're talking. So, Cowell then begrudgingly asks him, would you like to come to dinner with us tomorrow evening? In first class. In first class. Okay. To which Jack's like, oh yeah, great. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Jack goes back to second class, which is less of a big divide in this than it is in... Actual snow piercer. Okay, so, so maybe that's bit... happened over time. Yeah, yeah, I would say. So there's not armed guards saying you can't leave second class. Sure, okay. But just, you shouldn't. Right. Whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the next day, Jack's hanging about in, maybe let's call it a communal area where first and second class can both go. Okay. And he bumps into Meryl Streep, okay. which is whatever her mum's called. I can't remember. I don't forget masses. <laughs> 
And well, I, I'm actually merging a lot of characters here. Oh, is she going to be also so, the Kathy Bates? Yeah, M- okay. Meryl's just playing everyone now. Okay, right. Well, she's got range. <laughs> Do a different voice. <laughs> and so she gets him a suit. Okay. She tells him how to eat dinner properly, like proper manners and everything. And she really educates him through the day how to be a first-class gentleman. Great. And so he comes to dinner. Okay. Where, well, Rose is obviously sitting next to Cal. But he's not paying her any attention. Rose is just looking at Jack. And Jack is charming everybody. Mm-hmm. He's doing a really good job. Rose is completely taken with him. She's staring at him longingly. Getting a little bit footsy under the table. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that happened in Titanic. But whatever. I don't think so, but sure. Yeah. It's 2012. Yes. It's the modern day. You can do whatever you want. Oh, yeah, no. Fine. Footsie's always fun. Uh, by the way, I picked this year because it's also 100 years after Titanic. Ah, uh, you've really thought F- this through. Fits well for two reasons. See, you acted like you were doing this five minutes before the episode, but clearly you've thought about this. I mean, that's not to say that I'm not doing it five minutes before <laughs> the episode. <laughs> it's five minutes of golden thinking time. Fair enough. So when the meal comes to an end, all the men decide to go for port and cigars. Port and cigars, yeah. Is that what they had? Yeah, I think so. It sounded like you were saying porn and cigars, which is a very different scene. But yeah. Well, it's 2012, they can do either. Maybe that's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but Jack excuses himself and says that he really must be getting back mm-hmm. while winking at Rose. Sure. <laughs> so him and Rose subtly make their way towards the back of the train or towards the back of the train where Jack promises she'll have a, a proper good time Okay. so they're dancing they're drinking they're making a mess of things exactly the same as mm-hmm. happened in Titanic really and then when things really start to heat up between them Rose tells Jack that uh, she knows a good place so they go to the middle of the train where they find one of the steam carriages oh okay and they go into a little compartment they have sex make handprints on the window <laughs> <laughs> Uh, once they're done with that, and they're just holding each other or something, suddenly they hear the sound of a lot of gunshots. Okay. Jack pokes his head out of the little compartment and sees Chris Evans and Octavia Spencer and two other people all shooting guns at some bad guys. Oh, so it's intercepted mm. with the film. Like it, okay. So just quietly closes the door, just like, I'm just going to let that happen. Yeah. I mean, um, the, you've got the time frames completely messed up. I know. they've been on this train for 17 years. <laughs> unless they'd had an epic 17-year bonkathon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say they did. Yeah. I am so tired. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, sure. Yeah. So he closes the door, and they both stay very quiet until they don't hear any movement outside. Okay. Like they've heard people dying or whatever. Jack sticks his hand out the door, and he sees a lot of dead bodies with bloody footprints leading towards the front of the train. Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, if they've gone that way, we're going to go that way. Makes sense. Yeah. So they start their journey to the very back of the train, as in Snowpiercer. They're going through all different and amazing carriages. Maybe there's an event or two along the way. Maybe there's not. I don't really care. Let's move on. <laughs> so at one point when they're in a carriage that uh, it has windows, so they can mm-hmm. see outside, um, they hear a massive bang and the whole train shakes. They're thrown across the carriage. Jack breaks his arm. Oh, so this is when the explosion and the... Yeah. yeah, they look out the window towards the front of the train. Now I'm doing this slightly differently to how the main film did. Sure. Look out the window towards the front of the train, because they're on a bit of a bend, and they can see the engine carriage has exploded and is essentially gone. Like, it's not there. So it's just a train without an engine. Right. The train is slowing down, but the track where the engine was is severely damaged and is the start of a bridge over a 500-foot drop. Oh, dear. Okay. So Jack, being the, the engineer that he is, or the blade man, I don't know, says that the bridge, it might hold for now, but also it will probably break when the entire weight of the train is going to be on it. And at the speed we're going, the train is going to stop entirely on that bridge. Right. So we need to get off this train. Sure. So he decides that the only way to do that is to jump out one of the doors. Essentially mm-hmm. how the film started with their meeting. Sure, sure. If they do it too soon, the train's still going to be going way too fast. So when they impact with the ground, they're going to hurt themselves too much. Mm-hmm. If they do it too late, they'll be too close to the bridge, they'll fall off the cliff to their deaths okay so they need to jump off at just the right point sweet spot so this is similar to how when the boat went under yeah it's like wait till the very end wait yeah. till the very end okay jump on the thigh you now yeah so I'm doing that well, that sounds exciting I like it are we seeing a lot of the other passengers like dying as well as we're doing it it's like you know yes Great. Um, so they get to a door and see they're not the only ones who think of this mm-hmm. there is a panic in the air people are getting trampled one of the train guards is shooting people someone's throwing money around I don't know mm-hmm. some people have outdoor heated vests Okay. One of the guards puts one on Rose, but doesn't have one for Jack. Oh, it's just like the life jacket thing. Okay. The rain is coming up, but the train still hasn't slowed down enough yet. Some people are jumping off now already, but mm-hmm. it's all the way too soon. Right. You see people jumping off and falling back into the train, getting caught under the wheels, and yeah. just like, yeah, it's horrible. Bleak. Yeah. Jack decides that when they jump to make it a bit more safe for the landing, he needs something to land on. So he gets the nearest thing that he can find. 
broken door. Oh, uh, this is going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now they're the only two people left. Okay. And they have about 30 seconds until they're, they're going to go over the cliff. Sure. Jack's telling her to jump and that he's going to hold on to the edge of the door with his good arm. Mm-hmm. He's only got the one arm there. Well, one, one arm's broken. Sure. So he's going to hold on and he won't let go. So she's using the door as a sledge, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's not big enough for Jack to fit on now. No, okay. I mean, maybe it is. What a bitch. <laughs> she wants leg room. And they jump off. They skid on the ground and they finish just at the edge of this ravine. They watch as the bridge collapses, as Jack predicted, and the train falls off mm-hmm. just into this ravine that's so deep, it's, you can't see the bottom, it's dark. Uh-huh. And they finish sort of hanging over the edge. Jack is literally just hanging on for his life, like he's dangling off the edge of this thing. Right. And Rose is the only thing that's actually keeping the door from just falling off completely. And he says, if you move, we're, we're going to die. The temperatures outside are probably, I don't know, minus 60 degrees or something. So Jack is dying of cold quite quickly. Yeah. It's impressive he's managing to hold on. Yeah. yeah. And Rose grabs his wrist and says, I'm, I won't let go. Mm-hmm. I won't let go. And I goes, somehow don't go, believe her. It goes, goes on for ages. And a bit of Celine Dion in the background. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a, a radio that fell off the train or something. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Classic hits 90s. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps saying that she won't let go, but after a while she realises that she can't stay here forever and Jack's gone. He's already dead, yeah. So she does let go and she watches in slow motion as he falls into this ravine which you can't see the bottom of and he just fades into the black. She gets up and walks away, clearly on the brink of death herself. Like she's in a a heated vest, but Mm -hmm. like I say, it's pretty cold outside. She passes out and as we fade to black, we see the silhouette of someone walking towards her. That's the end. So is the silhouette the young couple? Like the the young... Korean girl and the boy, or is could, it could, could be anybody? I just don't really want to finish this with. They all die. All oh, right, sure, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I like that. That fits surprisingly well, doesn't it? Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I have some questions. Okay, so you're not doing the whole flashback thing with the old lady dropping into the ocean at the end, then? No, I thought it'd make it too complicated. Fair enough, yeah. And there's because so there's nothing else happens with Billy Zane slash Harry Styles. There's no heart of the ocean thing. Yeah, not really. I mean, there could be points where he could. Come in, like perhaps at the end when they're all about to jump off, maybe he's one of the people who jumps off too soon or something. Sure, yeah. And have a bit of a, a physical tug of war over, over Rose yeah. or something. Maybe there could be a whole bit where when he gets Danny Pudi or Jack, whatever, when he gets Jack arrested and he's put in one of those little like compartments that the Korean guy oh, was yeah, in yeah. and she has to go and like break him out somehow. Mm-hmm. That could be an extra mm, little scene. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that would work well. Yeah, but I don't know what the heart of the ocean would be in this. Like, Maybe a really good piece of sushi. <laughs> or a really tasty baby. I don't know. No. But I think on the whole, that does really, really work very well. Mm. And yeah, maybe it just means that there are other survivors. I like the idea that like, there's a whole other adventure going on while the main adventure's happening of yeah. the film that we've seen. And that's always fun when actually what's happening to other people on the train. And also that there's more than just two people who survived the entire True. crash. Yeah. Three. There's not three. Yeah, the, <laughs> if those two women live long enough then that little kid gets to puberty, he's got options. <laughs> Okay. That's do they, but not to, not to procreate. You know. <laughs> For each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Cool. Liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, my turn? Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So, I had an idea, and I thought it was great. It sounds like you're about to say it, and then I threw it out the window. No, I didn't throw it out the window. You ruined it for me. Well, basically, I put it on social media that this is our next film, which I always do. Uh-huh. And then I got to write in my idea. Mm-hmm. And then I was midway through it, and I was really enjoying it. And then I looked at social media, you know, looked at the responses to the tweet, and I saw several of our regular listeners saying, "Oh, I bet John does this." And I was like, "Fuck you, fuck you." Sure. And this is your fault. What have they done? What, what are you doing? Well, obviously, because Ed Harris is in this film, I was going to make it a season three of the Truman Show. Season three of the Truman. Show. Or maybe like season five now. Huh? All right. It works, though. Yeah, sure. I, I guess it lends itself to yeah. it. But now, now everyone's like, oh, no, that's John's thing, because you always bring it up, so... It does seem to be your thing. This, is, yeah. this will be, what, number four? Maybe. Well, consequently, <laughs> I've got three small ideas, one of which is the Truman Show, but I didn't, I didn't bother to flesh it out too much, so... Okay, well, go. Hit me with the Truman Show. Okay, so Truman Show idea is... Yeah, it's a sequel to the Truman Show. Is the next one split? No, it's not. There's no split in this one. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you ruined one thing. Basically, the reason for this is that Ed Harris plays, once again, the omniscient, yeah. kind of godlike, you know, creator of this universe. Mm-hmm. So, let's say, obviously, the first time of the Truman Show was just the Truman Show. Mm. And then I revisited it, I think, and made it Hunger Games. 
mixed with... Mm. Yeah, it was The Hunger Games, because I did the Truman Show episode of our podcast. I mean, the sequel The Hunger Games, right? Yeah. What was the other time I did it? Uh, oh, it was uh, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life, and then you did it the following week, I think it was, for The Shining? That wasn't really the Truman Show. That was more of just another reality show. Uh, all right. Okay. I'll let you have that. Don't make sure. that face at me. Um, <laughs> you know it was the Truman Show. Fine. So this is the fifth time. Yeah. Might be go. the last time. But uh, so <laughs> let's say all of those shows have been and gone, and they've all got cancelled. And Ed Harris needs another, another good ratings grabber, another way to make this format pay off. Mm-hmm. So he decides his latest hair brain scheme is to really amp up the ratings, is to put a bunch of people on a train and. The subject of the Truman Show, obviously the character who is unaware they're in a TV show, mm-hmm. is the little Korean girl, the, the 17-year-old. Because it's stated that she has only grown up on the train. Mm-hmm. All the other characters remember life before. She does not. This is a scene with Chris Evans when she asks him what Earth is like, etc. Mm-hmm. So she is our Truman. Everyone else is an actor. So Chris Evans, Octavia Spencer, Jamie Bell, John Hurt... All of them are acting, basically. Mm-hmm. So much like the film The Truman Show, you're going to see a lot of cutscenes of them as themselves. And I like the idea that Octavia Spencer is actually going to play herself in this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's going to be Octavia Spencer, who's taken on this role on this reality TV show and then re- regrets it, but she's under contract, so she's stuck with it. Like, sure, yeah. I'm an Oscar winner. I'm stuck in this. By the way, has she starred in any movies as the main character? Octavia? Yeah. Well, she's often quite... Yeah, she's often like she's, a she's strong supporting role. Yeah. yeah, like a really good side character. But yeah. has she ever been the main character in a film? She must have done, but not a film that I've really seen, no. I mean, that's it's unfortunate, weird. yeah. Yeah. I think there's Cause not she, a lot Because of... she's amazing, and yeah. she's always amazing, and does really good roles. But she's never starred, as far as I know. I would imagine it's probably because there's not that many starring roles in big Hollywood films for middle-aged African-American women, and all the mm. good ones are going to Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Who I know they're friends, but she was secretly like hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she gets all the supporting prestige parts instead. But hopefully one day she's really good. Well, you know. You know in that sequel you say they're making to get out, which links it to being Dramarkovich. Yes. I'd like to see her starring in that. Yes, I'm on board. Because then that brings in her tiny little cameo in being Dramarkovich. Love it. It's elevated lady. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Do it. Hollywood, Jordan Peele, do it. Mm. So anyway. So initially this version of the Truman Show in which they're all on a train and it's this post-apocalyptic kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And obviously the funny thing is it's not really going to be a train because what's actually going to happen is it's going to be a set. Sure. So they just have to make it look like it's moving all the time which I think has inherent comedy. So it does quite well initially but it's hugely expensive. To... No, actually I've changed my mind. No, they are on a train. It is a real train. They've built a real train. <laughs> so I forgot my own plot. It is a real train but because of that it's hugely expensive to produce. So after 17 years they decide to cut costs by staging a revolution on the train. Mm-hmm. Then killing off the entire cast. Mm-hmm. As that happens in the film. Okay. So, you know, we're going to have a big finish. So, I think there's going to be some funny scenes where the cast get told that they're getting killed off. Like Chris Evans and Octavia are really mm-hmm. pissed off. Mm-hmm. That's, that's always funny. But they have to go along with it because they're under contract. So, yeah, the, obviously the events of the film happen. And the little girl is the only... Well, the young woman is the only character who's kind of aware of what's happening. Yeah. And then... You know, Wait, sorry, who are we talking about? The Korean girl. Okay, yeah. Who's... The Truman. Yeah. So, you know, she gets to the end. Obviously, there's a scene where the train blows up, the explosion, and yeah. Ed Harris says, nice. Because what he's actually doing is he's thinking about the ratings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when oh, it's yeah, because it's all sort of improvised, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're all just improvised actors. So the thing's over, and it just becomes Survivor, that TV show Survivor. That's how, how they managed to uh, put the ratings. Okay. So they're going to transfer it into another show, where now they've just put it into this, like, Arctic wilderness, and they just the rest of the film's just them throwing all this kind of shit ass, like, oh, unleash polar bears, and, mm-hmm. you know... See how she survives in this fabricated wilderness. I like it, and that's all I've got for that. Because okay. I would have done more, but Twitter kind of broke my spirit. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's idea number one. Good work, guys. Twitter people, good work. Thanks mm. for breaking John. Yes. So that's idea one of three. Um, okay. So guess for us. So are you going to do split? I'm you... not doing split. Let it go. Okay, you're not doing split unless, as a twist, you are. <laughs> are you going to make something a musical? No. <sighs> all right. I'll stop you if you uh, if you've. Uh... Something I okay. Oh, Snakes on a Train. Were you going to do that? No, I was not. Ah, oh, I'm not doing very well. No, sorry. Well, I'll do better next week in guessing your idea. Sure. You are getting better every week. <laughs> slowly chipping away at my creativity. Mm-hmm. So no, I've not done Make It a Musical. But I have done something I've never done before. But I've referenced a few times this episode. Make it a video game. This film would be a good video game. Oh, I should have seen that coming. Yeah. So again, there's not much to this. But I was thinking... It's going to be a video game where you know you can play one, any one of several playable characters. Mm-hmm. I think it would actually be really fun. You can play any of the main cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're fighting your way through the characters. 
And I can, each of the characters could have their own like, individual strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans' strengths are going to be like, hand-to-hand combat and leadership. His weaknesses are going to be, every now and again, he sits down and makes a really boring, long speech about how sad he is. Have you seen the new Jumanji film? No, not yet. <sighs> Sounds a little similar to this, actually, where you can play a few characters and everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. but they make them quite comedic. So firstly, to actually find out what your strengths and weaknesses are, you need to just press on your left nipple. Sure. And then suddenly you get this screen just pop up in the air that tells you all your strengths and weaknesses. One of Karen Gillan's strengths is dance fighting. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of Kevin Hart's weaknesses is cake. Great. And there is a scene where he eats cake and explodes. Oh, great. That sounds fun. <laughs> That's what happens. I wish I'd seen that film. Okay. I was trying to think of funny strengths and weaknesses, but as we mentioned, like the characters aren't really very splashed out. Mm. So it's hard to think of like what their weaknesses would be. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I had like Jamie Bell, strengths, lot of picking, weaknesses, peripheral vision. Because he gets his throat cut from behind. Oh, sure, but I'd say more like strength, ballet. Oh, sure. oh yeah, that's good. There we go. Yeah, great. So strength, a lot of picking, and dance fighting. Yeah. He's a dance fighter, yeah. Ballet fighting. Yeah, ballet fighting. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> Weakness occasionally takes it too seriously, goes crazy, thinks he's a swan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Octavia, strengths, stamina, leadership, weaknesses, baking shit into cakes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Which then Solid. impacts on... Um, Another character's weaknesses because of the cake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> weaknesses, shitting in food. Weaknesses, shitting in food, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that kind of thing. And I was thinking, in this video game, you have to constantly find protein blocks to restore your strength. Oh, yeah. However, in an emergency situation, you can eat a baby. <laughs> and that'll give you full health. It'll give you full health. The protein bars will give you some health. Yeah, the protein bars give you like a, a, a block of health. Eating a baby restores you instantly to full health, but it does give you a hit on your morality score. So Your charisma <laughs> sure. goes a bit down when you've sure. dined on a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and I just think like that you can imagine a lot of the different bosses you're going to fight. Like that giant guy who moves, like, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. who's holding the massive axe and just swinging it randomly. There's the seemingly indestructible guy who stalks them from level to level. Mm-hmm. There's Tilda, obviously. Not that she's a fighter, but you know she's she's probably going to be one of our cutscene characters. You know? Yeah. 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 Someone you run into a lot. And yeah, so I think you just work your way through, like Final Fantasy, you use this little motley band of characters, you fight your way from carriage to carriage, get to the end, end the big boss fight between Chris Evans and Wilf- and Wilfred, and then maybe there's a big explosion, and the last scene, you can play as the teenage girl, and you have to fight a polar bear. <laughs> Good luck. And then die. And then, well, yeah, and then, maybe and then it's an unwinnable battle, it's, it's a lesson to <laughs> learn for everyone, yeah. And it's the end, game over. <laughs> yeah. So that was number two. Okay. And my final idea... I'm going to ask you to pick your favourite of these. It's inspired by the film Parish Jetame, or also the Simpsons episode 22 short films about Springfield. No, which don't is, know either, sorry. Sorry? Don't know either, sorry. It always amazes me how you don't know classic Simpsons. I know you're young, but like you think you didn't watch them back. Like, I've watched some of them back. But okay. Well, the idea is... used to watch some of them back in the day. Like, yeah, the, yeah. the one where Pooh has his children. Yeah. That's not even a, like that's a that's a recent one for me. It's okay, like well, fifteen years ago. Okay, well that's what I'm thinking of as classic. Okay, great. So clearly we have there's, the, there's okay, wow. Yeah. So you don't remember the episode of The Simpsons where they basically split it into twenty two very short like whack plays about all the different residents of Springfield? Nope. Okay, well, it might be season five or six. So basically, this idea is based on that, and it's all parish attempt. It's it's like a compilation film of short like little mini plays, mini mm-hmm. films about all the different characters on the train because this train is so full of interesting quirky characters that we don't really get to know very much mm-hmm. so like, they did, every one of them gets their little plot line basically so even some of the ones who like we just run past for example yeah, exactly. somebody having dinner in one of the first class yes. carriages or I want to see it all some of the druggies in the yeah, yeah. well I thought that one could be the teacher mm. doing like a parents evening mm-hmm. where all the parents are actually the ravers and the cyberpunks from the you know, weird so drugs this lends itself to a TV show rather than like one minute episodes well, no, I like the idea that they're just very short vignettes. Oh, that's two or three minutes. Sure. It has been done. Like, Parish Shatem is a famous film that did this. Yeah. Um, I know you've not seen it, but yeah. It's good. We should. <laughs> It'd be a hard film to sequelize because it's just lots of little things, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the teacher on Parents' Evening, Jamie Bell is training for the revolution, but also he just secretly wants to dance, you know? He's <laughs> hiding his light under a bushel. Mm-hmm. Octavia's got, like, she's baking cakes for all the underclass people, and like, oh, this tastes so good. Where are you getting your ingredients from? She'll never tell. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you could have the sushi chef. He's just like constantly practicing and practicing, but no one ever comes to eat it. So mm-hmm. disappointing. Uh, the dentist. Remember the dentist? Does it seem they run past a dentist? No. He's just, yeah, randomly. Mm-hmm. Just a random shot that I enjoyed. Just a dentist doing some dental work. Oh, 
Definitely a one about Wilfred and John Hurt, Ed Harris and John Hurt, having like just funny phone conversations. Like, yes. Just, just having a little, little chit-chat. Yeah. Can you believe these guys? We'd like to see some prank calls. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and then just one of the characters go, I know it's you. Yes. <laughs> Who yeah. else is it? Yeah. Ed Harris is like Mo from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Ideal, yeah. Prank calls. John Hurt doing prank calls to Ed Harris constantly. <laughs> and Tilda. We're going to need a little film about Tilda. Maybe just about course. Maybe just her learning how to balance a shoe on a person's head. <laughs> Yeah, um, <clears throat> and maybe it ends with one about a polar bear. Mm. Just a little, a little cut scene of a polar bear. Just I don't know. Just a maybe a little cartoon about how the polar bear survived. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe the last one is a polar bear struggling, like to feed its family, and it's, it's maybe it's being narrated. Oh yeah, okay. So the final one is a polar bear and its family. It's narrated by David Attenborough. It's Blue Planet style. It's like the polar bear is hunting over wilderness, trying to find anything to eat, but but there's nothing. The polar bear is doomed. The polar bear is doomed. And then just at the end, the polar bear like climbs over a little hill and sees a small Korean girl and a little boy. They're saved. Dinner is served. <laughs> nice. And then yeah, di- that, that's literally David Attenborough's voiceover. Mm-hmm. Dinner is served. And credits roll. <laughs> Brilliant. And so yeah, ends with a Blue Planet episode. And yeah, and that was that. So three oh, short and sweet ideas this week. Yeah. Which one would you prefer? Uh, the video game, I think. Yeah, I'd play that game. I'd yeah, play that game. yeah, it'd be a good game. Yeah. Cool. Who do you play as in that game, by the way? Do you play as Chris Evans? You can play as any of the main characters. You can play as Chris, Octavia, uh, yeah, Jamie Bell, the Korean guy, the Korean girl. They've all got their own thing. <laughs> I know, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Nice. It's like Final Fantasy. You can switch between. You have a, a posse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. I like cool. it. Great. Should we get some listener submissions? Go on. Better add. Okay. We had some good ones this week. We got I had a lot this week. This was another popular choice. Oh, really? Over 80 people asked for this. So, it's made for a film I've never heard of. I know, it, it's, it's definitely got a pop. Sorry, 80? Over 80, 80, yeah. Jesus. I'm not going to read out 80. I've, I've just pulled together some of my personal favourites. All right. So, well, these are good like one-liners. So, Diana Isaacson says, The same movie, but set in the sky tram that you use at airports. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Matt Hanley says, The polar bear is the captain of the train now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have the polar bear little hat like just choo choo <laughs> Ollie Brady uh, the same movie but it's done much better it makes much more sense so not a fan <laughs> agree to disagree Ollie Courtney Coulson oh, no no I agree with Ollie on there okay Courtney Coulson so I like this one it set it on a submarine same film set on a submarine that's okay. fun okay mm-hmm. I need to give that some thought a bit underwater action I like it would it be a series of submarines no, maybe just one one, just one submarine yeah just different levels. You're working up, up and down rather than left to right. Yep, that's got that's got legs. Okay. Similarly, Craig Martin says, around the world in 80 ways. And basically, they're just constantly using different vehicles and can never stop. So you get from train to plane to automobile. To... Okay. He says, get me Jackie Chan in a hot air balloon. Stat. <laughs> uh, Dan Chapman just responded in all capital letters with exclamation marks. Space train. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, the train's in space now. Sure. Yep. Yeah, it makes it more houtable environment. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is one of my favourites. This is obviously a sequel. Justin Kalman said, Jacket Seekers. And the subtitle is, It was better when we lived indoors, Piercer. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Brown says, Winterlight Express. It's a shot-for-shot remake of the original film, except everyone's wearing roller skates. <laughs> like Starlight Express musical? <laughs> yeah, okay. Walt Williams, and you, you predicted this, but I didn't come up with it, but he did. Snakes on a Snowpiercer. Okay. Walt Williams also said, you probably don't get this reference, but Throw Mama from the Snowpiercer. There's a film called Throw Mama from the Train. Okay. It's very funny. We'll do it one day. False Starts Podcast, at False Starts Pod. The Polar Snowpiercer. Chris Evans and co. are trying to reach the engine and take control of the train from an evil mocap shape shift... From an evil mocap shape-shifting Tom Hanks. <laughs> Their aim to drive to the North Pole and meet Santa so they can wish for more babies to eat. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, the Contrarians Podcast, at OVNIO, O-V-N-I-O. Open bracket John, close bracket Snowpierced. John Snowpierced. John ah, Snowpierced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So yep. the survivors of the original movie find themselves caught beyond the wall, causing the conflict between the wildlings and the Night's Watch. More babies are eaten in the search for the next train or dragon out. <laughs> Our Twitter fans love the babiesing angle. Yeah. Facebook, Facebook, not so much, but Twitter, yeah. Uh, and finally, Blokebusters did June Piercer. That's exactly the same movie, but it's set in the desert. So, yeah. Maybe instead of a polar bear, it's a camel. Nice. Makes like sense. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's a super hot instead of super cold. So they stick yeah. their arms out and it gets like burnt to a crisp. That has legs, it could work. Actual global warming. Yeah, that that does work. And those are all our sequels this week. Good one. Yeah, thanks. Nice work, guys. 
Mm, very good episode. So, yeah, if you have any sequel ideas for Snowpiercer or any films we've done in the past, let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. And more, and many more. Most of them. If, if there's one you can't find us on, let us know. We'll do our best to get onto it. You can also contact us via our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and many more. Just search Beyond the Box Set. As we discussed, we are on Patreon. If you'd like to get access to all kinds of exclusive bonus content, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set and sponsor us for as much or as little as you like to get access to all of our exclusive content. Doesn't matter how much you pay, you get the same content. So go right ahead. Knock yourselves out. <laughs> and we have special merch available on tpublic forward slash Beyond the Box Set. And next week, another guest episode. Yes, yeah. again. Yes, another guest. Because we got popular now. We did, yeah. We're victims of our own success. So we're going to be joined by our good friend Louise, Louise Ball, who has chosen to do Garden State. Crikey. <laughs> that pregnant pause said it all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, looking forward to next week discussing Garden State. So. All right, it's good to finally get Louise on. It is. It's been a long time coming. She's been a long time supporter. Has she, though? Well, she's been a vocal supporter. I'm just kidding, Louise. We love you. So, yeah, join in next week for Garden State. <laughs> I was going to say Snowpiercer. Snow <laughs> I've been promising it for so long. Join us next week for Garden State. Yeah, yeah lovely. Guys. All right, bye. Bye.